This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. This is How We See It. I'm Deacon Mike Sweeney, and our guest today is Hillsborough Fire Chief Dennis Jones. Chief, when did you know that you wanted to work in the fire services? I was a student at USF, and I was in the pre-med program, wasn't enjoying it very much. And my fiance, who's now my wife, said, what about the fire department? My dad was a fireman. Never had really thought about going into it. I was going to be a doctor pretty much since I was in fourth grade. And it was like a light bulb went off, and I made the decision to pursue this career. And here, 45 years later now, I'm loving every minute of it. So two things. Number one, you're actually a native Floridian, which is rare in this area. Right. Fourth generation. Nice. And the other thing is you were never really a little boy, a seven-year-old boy who wanted to ride the fire truck? No, I watched my dad go to work every day, every third day in the fire service. Knew about it, was aware of it, never really appealed to me when I was younger. My parents were kind of pushing me towards the medical field. I just didn't like it. When I got to USF, I just wasn't enjoying it, didn't like the coursework, and uh, didn't really want to be inside. I wanted to be outside, more active, and it seemed like a really good fit. So I got to pursue paramedicine through the through the fire department, which was, a, I guess, a compromise. So you were working emergency medicine, which is a totally different thing from hospital surgeries and things like that. All pre-hospital, yes, sir. All pre-hospital. Eventually, you landed in Tampa's fire department. Tell us where you started out and how you climbed the ladder to eventually become that department's chief. I began at the age of 21 and came in as a high school graduate. Back then, you didn't have to have any special training. They would hire you. I was actually the last class in Tampa in 1978. They hired you. They put you through your basic firefighter training. At the end of that, you took a written and practical test. You were a state-certified firefighter, ready to go to work. Our class was the first one. They put us right into an EMT program, two weeks, two 40-hour weeks. So we did it all in 80 hours, and it was a tough way to learn EMT. Took the state test. A few of us passed it that first time. Most of us passed it uh, later on. But So I then was a firefighter EMT at 21. And then just started riding the trucks in Tampa. I started out uh, working at the airport, Tampa International Airport. Tampa Fire runs that program. Began studying and taking tests and uh, promoted up to driver pretty quickly. They had a first ever paramedic pump in Tampa and a paramedic engine, and I volunteered for that. So I got to drive the first paramedic pump in Tampa. Continued studying. I spent some time out at training as a driver. Shortly after that, got promoted to captain. About that time, we were starting uh, hazmat, special operations, heavy rescue, extrication specialty team. I signed up for that and was selected for that program. So got to be on the first hazmat unit, special operations unit. A lot of fun there. Spent uh, a few years doing that and then tested for district chief. Made that promotion. One of the youngest district chiefs in the city of Tampa, not to brag, but the timing of my career was really outstanding as far as when I came in and the openings. I was able to be a district chief for about nine years, and then from there became the airport chief. Tampa International Airport ran that operation there for about eight years until I was selected to be fire chief in 2004 for the city of Tampa. Great honor to be selected for that, and then was able to do that for about five and a half years before I retired. So you were 21 when you first joined the fire services. How old were you when you were named the Tampa Airport chief? Tampa Airport was 97, so... About 40. So a young chief. I was pretty young. I was pretty young and 
Did that for, like I said, eight years and then became the fire chief of the city of Tampa in 2004. So in the fire services for medical emergencies, the fire department also shows up. But when did that actually start? There was a time when fire departments fought fires and that was it. But now you do everything. Yeah, that's about the time my career started. At the time I was hired, everybody got a first aid patch on their sleeve. You got basic first aid. My class, we had begun to hire a few EMTs, but my group was the first that they actually trained to be EMTs. And we began a, what we called first responder program. And I was part of a group where they were trying to just get one EMT on every truck. So think about that. We got paramedics on every truck now, but just trying to get one EMT on every truck so you could support the medical. So that was in 1978. We were actually, at the time I was hired, we were working on a video to market that program to the community that when you call for a medical emergency, don't be surprised if a fire truck shows up. And now today in the state of Florida, especially the vast majority of EMS, emergency medical services, are fire-based EMS. Almost all the EMS systems now are fire-based in Florida. Now we're throwing out a lot of different medical service terms, EMT and paramedic and everything else. So EMT is a basic medical. Right. Paramedic, you can get into giving some really nice drugs and hooking them up to EKGs and things like that, right? Right. That's a great question because we throw out terms and acronyms that a lot of the public don't understand. EMT, emergency medical technician, and it's basic. You don't do anything invasive. The only medication you give, oxygen is considered medication and maybe Narcan. But as a paramedic, you're starting IVs, you're doing all kind of cardiac meds, you're measuring their EKG, looking at their heart, giving cardiac meds, intubating, you know, put a tube down their throat, uh, down into their lungs to breathe for them. So it's a much more advanced skill. All of those levels are important. We even have the term BLS and ALS, basic life support, that's EMT, and then advanced life support, that's paramedic. So all your ambulances now and your fire service, fire-based EMS are paramedic, advanced life support. In your time in Tampa, you developed an emergency management plan for Tampa. Now, aside from hurricanes, what other emergencies were you planning for? I was just thinking about that today. I'm coming over here to talk about hurricanes primarily and a lot of that. But our biggest threat today, today, on this particular day, is heat-related emergencies. So that's one of the things. Because of the city of Tampa has a lot of major events, public events, Gasparilla, one of the largest parades in the United States, Super Bowls, college football bowls, a lot of events like that. There was a lot of emergency planning related to that. I'll say hurricane planning was a major part of it, but we probably spent a lot more time actually doing those big event preparation. RNC, you know, the Republican National Convention was here. So that was the kind of things that the emergency management did. One of the things you mentioned before was administering as paramedics, Narcan, and that's something that's fairly new in our world, sadly. In Hillsborough County, are we seeing a lot of people that are in need of that type of treatment? It's consistent with the rest of the United States. There are a lot of calls where you need Narcan. Even today, all of the law enforcement agencies, Sheriff's Office, Tampa Police, they're carrying Narcan on board. So it's very prevalent because of the amount of need for that drug. Getting back to the emergency management plan in Tampa, is that plan still in place? So when you developed it, is it just something that they build on each year? The plan is still there. The basic plan is still there. And then they build it. They rewrite it every few years. It's reviewed and revised. When I took over, the plan was about 20 or so, 25 pages long. 
by the time we finished, it was 300 and some pages long. I mean, there's a lot of detail, a lot of detail, a lot of moving parts. You can imagine in a city as complex as the city of Tampa, there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts that you have to deal with. And they really hadn't had a comprehensive plan. It was more from a public work standpoint, bridges and roads and water systems and all that. And so we kind of made the focus over to public safety, then moving into recovery afterwards. We're talking with Hillsborough Fire Chief Dennis Jones. Chief, you retired from the Tampa Fire Department as the chief. What happened to make you come out of retirement to then become the chief of the Hillsborough Department, which is probably even a bigger department, right? Yes, sir. It's about twice the number of stations. Right after retiring, I took a six-month break. I did a little bit of consulting with the the fire service, but I came back out of retirement part-time, and I was doing training. I was doing in-service training for the city of Tampa. I worked three days a week, and I did that for about four and a half years. During that period, Hillsborough County was looking for some leadership changes, and it just happens that the CFO of the city had become the chief financial administrator in the county. So she tells my boss, I know a guy, you know, we had lunch, and next thing I know, I thought we were just meeting to talk about fire service, and I left with a job offer. Wow. And describe what you were thinking, and when did you come to the decision that, yeah, you would take the helm? Yeah. So the first thing I thought was, because, you know, now I'm 37 years into the fire service. I had uh, was working towards retirement. My first thought was my wife will never go for this. You know, this is a full-time job. It's a lot of work. It's a bigger department. That's exactly what I told them when they made the ask. And I went home and we had a conversation. And to my surprise, she said, uh, this is something you've got to do. So that's how it happened. Some people can't retire. Some people can't retire. I failed miserably at retirement. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, my wife, she's the one 45 years ago who said, hey, what about the fire service? She was just my fiance at the time. And now 45 years later, we're happily married and congratulations. Continuing to work on the next year. Very nice. As the Hillsborough Fire Chief, you've had to build a lot of stations to keep up with the population growth in the area here. What has that been like, and how much have you had to deal with bureaucracy? If you're in government, you're going to deal with the government's uh, bureaucracy and politics. And, you know, there's a saying that the wheels of government move slowly, and then it's usually followed by very slowly. So we just have to set out the need. We have to define and describe the need for the citizens. And, you know, my focus is to deliver the best quality customer service to all of the citizens. And it be my desire that it's an equal share to all citizens. The level of service, the response times shouldn't depend on what area you live in. And so that's the way we write our master plans. And so the county has done master planning for quite some time. But when I came here, I made that a singular focus, one of the singular focuses of my career here. We began immediately writing the next master plan We've done an update in 2019 and actually had a meeting yesterday, have another one on Monday to deliver the next master plan to continue. The times have changed so drastically. The population, you know, 2,000 people, basically 2,000 people a month coming to Hillsborough County. And that includes Tampa, Temple Terrace, Plant City as well. But a lot of people, 25,000 people a year, it has an impact. It has an impact on transportation. It also has an impact on public safety and their service delivery. Is there a number where the population grows, you know you have to add another station? 
there are formulas, but they're as good as the person who's using them. But it's generally between 15,000, 16,000, 18,000 maybe. You use factors, population, you know, 1.6 per, you know, you can use those factors. But we're so upside down in the county, the growth has been so rapid that all of those factors are, you know, we'll talk about factors later on when we get a few more fire stations built. The need is just so great. And no one could have predicted the rapid growth of Hillsborough County to the extent that it has been, you know, one of the fastest growing counties in the state. And so we just have to keep putting the need out there. And then the big challenge again is finances, you know, and the county understands that this board, the board of county commissioners, they're very supportive of public safety. They're all wonderful, fine people. It's just, there's a lot of needs. There's transportation, there's affordable housing, there's parks, you know, there's a lot of different needs. And we just have to convince them that fire rescue needs to be high up on that list. Chief, you developed quick response squad units. Tell us what those are. Our engine companies in several areas of the county were just being overrun by medical calls. It's a nice proposal to have an engine with paramedics on board to go and begin treatment until an ambulance who can transport you arrives. But it's a big piece of equipment and expensive. Back then, they were about a half million dollars to buy an engine. So we said, hey, we could put a couple of paramedics on a pickup truck with all the same medical equipment. They can go and triage the patient, check the patient out, begin delivering medical care while we wait for the ambulance. And we put that in four of our busiest areas of the county. And then that saved that engine. The engine could stay in the station and be available for fire calls and prolong the life of that unit. That was very effective. We were able to add enough ambulances. So we've added rescue cars. We had 28 rescue cars when I came here in 2015 to Hillsborough County. Now we're at 40. So in eight years, about eight years, we've gone from 28 to 40. That's a pretty significant increase in ambulances and rescue cars. And so we took two of those squads and converted them to rescue cars. They're much more effective as rescue. And we were able to get the balance back where, you know, we felt that it was more useful to have them. But that initial response, the engine companies were just getting beat down. They were running 5,000, 6,000 calls a year, which is just really unheard of. And uh, as soon as we put those squads in service, they all drop down in the fours or just below four. That's a manageable number for an engine company. So the fire department does a lot more than put out fires and run to medicals. What else do you do? A big part of what we do is inspections. You know, we have the inspections division. They review new buildings and new plans. They'll follow that building all the way through its construction. And then the existing structures are inspected as well on a periodic basis, either uh, one, two, or three years. We extend that out a little bit. It goes to five years between inspections, depending on the life hazard of the building. That same group also has fire investigators, the Fire Prevention Bureau, the Fire Marshal's Office. They have fire investigators. Every fire in Hillsborough County that is of unknown origin, they'll find the origin, find the cause. They're all state-certified law enforcement officers, and they partner with Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. We also have the Office of Emergency Management as part of the fire service. But in fire rescue, probably one of the main things that we get recognition for is the medical calls, of course, but the special operations, the heavy rescues that go to these big vehicle accidents, the hazardous materials team that they know a lot of science, a lot of chemistry, and the Marine Division is part of that unit. SWAT medics are part of that unit as well. So we have a partnership with the Sheriff's Office, their SWAT team. We have a number of paramedics, about a dozen 
that are also trained to be law enforcement officers, but their primary skill is paramedic. They train with and alongside the sheriff's office. Those are some of the things that the fire service does besides just fighting fire. 85 plus percent of our calls are medical now. Your grandfather's fire department, which was primarily fire, is now primarily medical. Sadly, you do have to deal with tragedies, not only among the public, but also in the department on occasion. So what is it like as the chief of the department to lose a firefighter? That is probably one of the hardest things that you do. We had our most recent was an accidental death off duty. We had one line of duty death from COVID. That was tragic. Uh, It's probably the kind of the darkest day of your life for a fire chief. You do everything you can to make the job as safe as you can to prepare them for what they are going to face and to give them all the equipment. But we know that the odds are that it's going to happen eventually. And so you just try to prepare yourself. One of the major things that we've focused on since I've been here, we've focused on the mental health, the spiritual health, and the physical health of our members. And so we created a health and safety chief that we never had before. Their primary focus is mental, physical, and spiritual health. So we know that that's going to be a part of the life. So we've tried to pre-plan that and have people prepared to deal with those things when they happen. As the chief, you have to run the offices of a fire department and all of the finances and everything else. When a fire actually happens in Hillsborough County, how often do you actually have to go and manage that fire? I respond, I'm advised on all fires, but I pay note to the second alarm fires. I mean, once it goes beyond the initial alarm, and then I would immediately respond on third alarm fires. I'm not going to go take over the fire. I've said this many times. If I'm putting on my bunker gear or if I'm commanding a fire, it's a really bad day. And I haven't had that bad of a day yet. So I will come in support of the command structure that's there. I'll give them advice if I feel it's necessary. Most of the time I just go around the scene, observe, and then talk to the commander if I feel like there's some information I could share. The folks we have working for us, very highly trained, very skilled my major focus, as you mentioned, is behind a desk. I got promoted way, way past the fun part of the job. <laughs> um, but I love what I do. I love, I still love what I'm doing every single day. I can't wait to come to work. But as far as actually responding to fires, I do much less of that. We're talking with Hillsborough Fire Chief Dennis Jones. Chief, I was crossing the Skyway Bridge the other day, and I think you go through two or three counties when you're on that stretch of 275. So If an accident happens, who covers it? Is there mutual aid involved? That's interesting. The channel, the center span of the bridge is Hillsborough County, all the way out to Egmont Key, and Manatee to the south and Pinellas to the north. Generally, so if it's southbound, Pinellas would cover it. If it's northbound, northbound, Manatee would cover it. And that's the way typically we handle, same with the Howard Franklin Bridge and that sort of thing. So we won't respond to road traffic accidents on the Skyway unless it's a really, really bad day. That's a little far for our jurisdiction. We do, however, have a fireboat that would potentially respond in the water in that area. Is that boat manned 24-7? We have an engine crew that is assigned to staff it, and they're in Apollo Beach. The boat is docked there by the circles in Apollo Beach. It's actually on davits out of the water. The engine is just around the corner, so it takes them about five, seven minutes to get there, get the boat launched, and then be underway. The staffing is by an engine company. 
You mentioned before that a typical fire engine years ago cost about half a million dollars. So can you talk about the cost now? How often do you have to replace an engine? If an engine costs at least half a million, the ladder trucks must cost a lot more. Yeah, this is uh, painful to even talk about. Uh, (laughs) When I got here, the first engines I bought were $440,000. And they gradually went up and, you know, we saw them getting in the 500,000s. Post-COVID, because of shortage of microchips, engines, motors, all the component parts, they were having trouble getting axles. The price went up, the delivery time went up, and we're paying now probably north of 800,000 for an engine. Uh, Ladder trucks that were below a million, they were in the maybe 850 range, depending on the type you buy. Those are all well over a million and a half now. How long will that apparatus last? Right. So an engine, uh, we want to get 12 years front line with that. It might be in reserve a couple of years after that. Same thing with the ladder trucks, about 12 years. Rescue cars, the ambulances, they run a lot more. So they're only going to get about seven years of use. And they were in the maybe low threes, around 300,000 roughly. And they're up to, you know, six, 700,000 now as well. The prices have all virtually doubled in the last seven, eight years. You're not talking about a typical car. These have all sorts of pumps and everything else. They're all custom made, every single one. I mean, they build ours the same way. We tried to make them the same, but every fire department builds their own style truck. There's basic components, the engine, the transmission, the drivetrain and all. Steering wheels, the same one, all of them. But the compartmentalization for your department, where the hose is going to go, how much hose it carries, the type of nozzles you buy, and all of that are all custom. No, it's not something you can just go order off the lot. It's a pretty complex piece of equipment. Back in the day, we'd wait about eight or nine months for a delivery. It would take about that long to build one. That's up into the two-year mark now. And some of the apparatus are anywhere from 25 to 50 months. So we're talking over four years delivery on some types of apparatus. There was a long period of time when you just couldn't get fire trucks because they couldn't get the component parts, various component parts. People kept ordering because they wanted to stay in line and all of those orders stacked up. So it's going to take a few years before it levels back out another casualty of COVID. How many men and women are in your department? We have 1,190 personnel and another 100 civilians. We'll just say roughly 1,200 sworn uniform members. And then there's another 100 that includes our dispatch personnel, emergency dispatch, 911. Also about 18 in the Office of Emergency Management. We have logistics, facilities, procurement. We have all those support divisions. The ones that are on the front lines, do they each have their own set of turnout gear? Yes, sir. That's custom fit. How much does that cost? That's gotten a lot more expensive. It was generally about 2500 roughly. So it's multiple layers. It's quilted. It's got a vapor barrier inside. All the uh, stress points like the knees and elbows are reinforced. It's pretty complex and it's pretty expensive. And it's fire protective. So it's not just corduroy or denim that you buy off the shelf. They're very expensive. Every firefighter is custom fit, and that bunker gear has to be replaced every 10 years. That's the service life of that gear. 
but you want to keep your firefighters safe, so you have to get decent stuff. Yeah, and there's an industry standard, NFPA, National Fire Protection Association, that tells you the components that have to be there, the factors that you have to consider. And everyone who sells you gear for fire service, they have that NFPA stamp on it. Every set of gear has the date that it was manufactured and the component materials and all of that. So it's very well tracked. We clean it on a regular basis, any tears or holes or patched. So we do a lot to maintain it as well, try to make it last that full 10 years. Keep them safe. Keep them safe. So one of the major things that I think we as Floridians always worry about once June 1st hits for the entire summer into the fall is hurricanes. Last year, we skirted by without a lot of damage from Hurricane Ian, but what can we as residents do to prepare better for hurricanes in case one comes this year? I think the best thing that you can do, and I would say I've been doing this for 66, I go all the way back to Hurricane Donna. I actually lived through that one. The best thing you can do is prepare your home. We have hurricane guides that are available. You can get them, you know, at any fire station. It has a great resource on what you should have, but you should just prepare your home. I have a lot of oak trees. I just had my oak trees trimmed back a couple of weeks ago. Keep your yard clear. Bring stuff inside if it's loose. Have emergency water. You want to make sure you have at least a gallon per person per day, Uh, seven-day supply of whatever. We used to say three days, but... We realize now it needs to be a little bit more than that. So the state's converted seven days supply of foods, things that don't require refrigeration. Think about your proteins, a lot of water and medications. So you've got to have at least a seven day supply. And then don't forget your pets. They need the same thing. Probably the basic concept is know if you're in an evacuation zone. And we have two different types. We have flood zones and we have evacuation. So flood is from rain or riverine flooding. Back in 2015, we had the great rainfall. That would be flooding, but the evacuation zones are based on hurricane storm surge. And so when you think about hurricanes, the phrase that you want to remember is run from water and hide from wind. So if you're not in a surge in an evacuation zone, get to an inner room of your house, no outside windows and doors, and hunker down there and just wait for the storm to pass. As the chief, I'm sure you see a lot of things that are wrong with fire scenes things that homeowners should have done. Can you give us a few things that we as homeowners should be doing to protect our families from fires? So every home should have a fire extinguisher and make sure that you also have smoke alarms in your home. A lot of people are adding the carbon monoxide alarm. That's just for safety, but you do need to have active smoke alarms. That's the earliest notification that there's a fire. Open candles, open burning is not a good idea. So limiting those fire sources And just keeping things cleaned up is a really good factor. So probably the best thing is just being alert to your surroundings and keeping your house in good order. Extension cords, common cause of fire, old receptacles, you know, old stuff that you know. Why does that bulb keep flickering? Get rid of that lamp, you know. So those are just basic common sense things that you can do to prevent those fires from being caused. Kitchen fire is still a very common area, so don't leave stuff unattended. Keep your children away from those things. And probably from a fire safety standpoint, teach your kids how to get out of the home, have a place to meet outside, go through that with the kids. The house we can replace, the families we cannot. So think about keeping your kids safe, keeping your family safe, know how to get out, let us worry about taking care of the fire. 
Chief, how can somebody learn more about the Hillsborough Fire Department? On the website, hcflgov.net, and you can find the fire department's page there. Or you can call our direct line to the department. It's 813-272-6600. We have a great public education team, public relations team. We do a lot of training in fire safety and kids programs throughout the county. And we love to share with your groups to help spread that fire safety message. Our guest today has been Chief Dennis Jones, the chief from Hillsborough Fire Department. And this is how we see it. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it. We'll be right back.